rise, Peter Wolfsbane. I mean, is he really? It, it, was it really Wolfsbane though? I mean, he he was standing there holding the sword out, terrified. He he'd already had a confrontation with this wolf earlier in the movie, and then like the wolf like jumps on the sword, and then like. Peter falls down and he gets back up and Aslan's like, clean your sword. Arise, Peter Wolfsbane. And I'm like, is he really the Wolfsbane though? I mean, the wolf clearly committed suicide. This is like that time Atreyu was looking for Gamork in the Neverending Story and he also impaled himself on was it a piece of glass, a pointy rock? I'm not exactly sure, but you know, somehow Atreyu came out of that alive. Yeah, it, it's weird that he became Wolfsbane. And, and honestly, like the idea of him actually like becoming High King and being in a battle in full armor in like 20 minutes, it's completely <laughs> unbelievable. You're listening to Discography Discussion, episode 260, Narnia, hosted by Dan Terry. It's going to sound a lot like I'm bashing the band for not being brutal enough, which clearly was not the goal. And Joseph Wren. Everything you love about Sabotage, if you're me, presented by DiscussMetal.com. And if you don't get that the lion is Jesus, then you ready for this episode of discography discussion i am joe that is dan are you ready to go to a magic fantasy land a magical faraway place where the sun is shining and the air smells like warm root beer and the towels are oh so fluffy no that's albuquerque new mexico and i think so yeah i wouldn't worry about it i do know the shriners and the leopards play their ukuleles all day long and anyone on the street will gladly shave your back for a nickel. But uh, that's Albuquerque. See, I'm talking about the magical land that you're transported to as a child when you enter a wardrobe and you just kind of keep walking through it. We're talking about Narnia, if you, guys, if you didn't read the description of the episode. We're talking about Narnia, but we're not necessarily talking about the popular series of books by author C.S. Lewis. I mean, we are talking about that, but we're also not talking about that. Uh, I'm really into Narnia this week, and... Uh, but since this is discography discussion, I felt the need to, uh, you know, incorporate the metal band Narnia uh, into the discussion here because these guys are actually, uh, actually really cool. And I wasn't a hundred percent sold whenever I, whenever I was introduced to Narnia, I was like, so it's Blind Guardian, except instead of Tolkien, it's C.S. Lewis. Oh, and they're a Christian metal band because the lion, I mean, the, the lion's Jesus, right? Give me some of that fantasy-driven, progressive-sounding metal and theme it around the Chronicles of Narnia. Call the band Narnia. How they got away with that, I don't know. But this is awesome and fun, and it gives you that epic sound that you want when you're listening to these bands. I immediately went to Battle Beast because, you know, I wanted more fantasy-sounding epic metal music narnia is gonna do it for you well you should have listened to divine fire then uh that's like narnia only it's the same singer too uh but like way heavier like like brutal in your face power metal and then you've got <laughs> you've got you've got christian from narnia just up there 
front and center, you know, with the with the, with his high pitched, you know, insane power metal delivery. Uh, I actually, and I'm going to be honest with you guys up, up top. Uh, this is a Swedish band, and I am very, very, very bad at pronouncing Swedish names. So I'm just going to refer to the singer of Narnia as Christian uh, because I don't actually, you know, and, and, and then there's CJ, uh, the guitar player. You know, like I'm just going to call them by their first names. I, I, I'm sorry that's not giving enough credit. It's you can You can go online and look up their last names. I'm just not going to butcher them because I care too much about this band and their music to butcher it to that degree. Well, before Dan finds a pronunciation key, I'm going to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, then you can find everything discography discussion at discussmetal.com. We're on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. So if you have an Amazon Echo or a Google Home, you have no excuse. Ask it to play the latest episode of the Discography Discussion podcast, and it will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening. And now Dan is going to tell us all about five-star reviews. We do enjoy reading five-star reviews here on Discography Discussion. And we, we like reading them because it makes us feel like you guys are listening. And we, get, we take your guys' feedback very seriously. Even if you don't love everything that we do... Let us know what you don't love, and we will fix it accordingly if it is reasonable. You know, change change every aspect of your personality. It's probably not going to happen. I mean, I could try, but I don't. I don't think that's going to happen. Fire myself. Hire new host. Let Chad out of the box. But uh, if you guys have legit criticisms, you guys can also send us an email at show at gmail.com, or you just want to send us an attaboy, you can do that as well. I will get into all the different ways you can reach out to us at the end of this episode. But if you like this podcast and you listen every week, uh, make sure that on whatever app that you're using, if it allows you to leave us a review, leave us a review. We would really very much appreciate it. And another thing that we are open to starting this year on Discography Discussion is sponsorships. If you have a band or a company or a product that you would like for us to push, we will be more than happy to do that for you. Just reach out to us and we will talk about all the wonderful details. So if you want to sponsor an episode of the podcast, do not hesitate to reach out. We are open to whatever you got. We got a tweet from Cassius Clay in regards to as blood runs black. Would you guys say you brought the motherfucking ruckus? So I said this on Twitter in response to this. I didn't bring anything to the table. Uh, that was all as blood runs black. They uh, they brought all the ruckus. Joe and I just kind of did the episode like like we're doing the episode right now. Uh, that band definitely brought a ruckus, though. They were they were heavy. They were intense. They were a band that you should check out if you haven't checked them out. Blaze also says, "Ooh, going to give this a listen." Allegiance was a great jam. And again, that's in regards to episode 258. People love them some Blood Runs Black. And I don't blame them. They they were a rock-solid band. Definitely go back and listen to that episode if you haven't. Or, you know, unless you listen to just, like, progressive, melodic, hard rock slash metal bands like Narnia, as Blood Runs Black may not be your cup of tea. So, Dan, tell me about the band Narnia. You don't want to hear about the books? <laughs> I listened to I listened to nearly all the audiobooks on the way on the way to vaca- oh, to my vacation in Florida recently. So I'm 
I'm prepped up on Narnia, man. I can I can tell you just about anything. But uh, in regards to the band Narnia, they are a Swedish heavy metal band. I'm gonna call them a heavy metal band. I think that's the safest the safest genre to throw them into. They were formed in Sweden in 1996, and they started off more or less as just a just a project. Uh, their lead singer Christian was in another band that I think was called Modest Attraction, and he was just looking to explore some melodic hard rock with some heavy metal sensibilities. And that means a lot of synthesizers, a lot of clean vocals, and neoclassical influenced guitar playing. That is something that all guitar heads will appreciate. We are all fans of the shred. Your Steve Vai, your Joe Satriani, anything G3 really. And the name that always comes up is Ingve Malmsteen, a guy that is so technically proficient, he can play absolutely faster than everyone, unless he has to slow down. Then he gets a little sloppy, but that's not a conversation for this show. Not this episode. I will say that uh, that the guitars in Narnia, their guitarist, CJ, he might be one of the best guitar shredders we've talked about on this show. Uh, I mean, and, and I'm not I'm not a huge shredhead. Uh, you know, shout out to Shoot the Shred, R.I.P. Um, I'm not I'm not that into like shred guitar. I'm not really that much into like progressive playing and neoclassical stuff. But when it's done right and it's done in a way that makes sense and not so much in a show offy sort of way, it works really, really, really well. Uh, and it works well with Narnia. And so when Christian and CJ got together and said, you know what? let's go ahead and do a band like let's do let's do something like that like something something melodic something heavy and um i'm not really entirely sure why they chose narnia other than the fact that narnia is a christian metal band not just because the lead singer's name is christian uh but because they just uh you you'll find as you listen to this band that their lyrical output is almost more focused on that than it is on Narnia books. So I don't want to like disappoint anybody, but Hey, Hey, there's a lion on the cover of every single Narnia album. So it's got that going for it. Did you know, Dan, that the lion is in fact, Jesus? Yes. Yes, I do. I do know that at the end of, at the end of the voyage of the Dawn Treader spoilers the books, like 70 years old. So <laughs> I feel like, I feel like I could spoil the end Aslan, the lion, transports the children back to earth and he's like but on earth remember i go by another name wink wink it's it's jesus the lion is jesus 1998 awakening awakening man this record starts off with one of the biggest fake outs i've ever heard you've got it starts with break the chains which just starts with like pure like 80s synth laden like prettiness and then the shred comes in and the riff comes in and it starts speeding up and you're like oh thank god this is actually going to be a heavy metal band could okay. you imagine being a new fan of the trans-siberian orchestra you pick up this record you're faked out in the first five seconds oh this has got that same symphonic vibe that i really like this is going to be like beethoven and mozart and then it's not it's old school dream theater it's everything you love about sabotage if you're me I know Dan loves Sabotage as much as I do. Bring on the shred. Bring on the punk rock heavy metal beat and play as fast as you can. Yeah, and I mean, I wouldn't say they're like blazing fast on this album, 
This is a weird combination of metal and melodic rock. Melodic hard rock. I don't want to I don't want to discredit it here. And it's going to sound a lot like I'm bashing the band for not being brutal enough, which clearly was not the goal uh, with this. But the riffs the riffs are decently heavy. The vocals are outstanding in my opinion. You've got a singer, you know, like Joe said, it kind of it kind of reminds me of that like old school dream theater, just a really a really clean, not too aggressive vocalist, although that will change uh, over the course of their career, uh, where he will become significantly more aggressive uh, on some songs. But uh, here, it's just like it's like it's like listening to vanilla ice cream, man. It, like it all sounds so good. Uh, it all goes down really smoothly. The only real issue I had with Awakening was that it seemed a little ballad heavy. There's a lot of slower, like, ballady songs where he sings about how much he loves Jesus, which is fine. Um, but it does get a little bit, a little bit repetitive in this early in the career. I kind of, I kind of, with bands like this, I kind of expect their first record to be like a little bit more like out of the gate, just, just in your face and aggressive. And you can definitely tell that they started this as a project to explore the more like melodic hard rock sound because there's a lot of that, but interspersed you'll get heavy you'll get heavy metal riffs mixed in with some of that neoclassical guitar shredding uh, that we like so much. And I think that's really what makes it unique is that they shred just as hard as any other metal band out there. But their approach is one with a little bit more restraint. Is there a credited drummer on this album? I believe all the drums on this album were programmed by um, CJ or Carl Johan, uh, their guitar player. There is not a drummer listed anywhere uh, for this record, so I'm assuming that it was uh, that it was programmed. Either programmed or played on a digital kit. Either way. That is the standout issue, and it's not even worth focusing on because the drums really aren't the focus. They're present because that is the energy of this record. It's that progressive fantasy-sounding metal. It's imitating everything you love about triggered drums in the 80s. So it's fine. I could pick on it, but it's more of a Kekel vibe for me. Yeah, they're programmed, but that's not why I'm listening to this. I'm listening for the out-of-this-world guitar shred and those beautiful James LaPree vocals that just ring out into infinity. So it's fine. I think the album's great. It doesn't sound like 1998, but I don't care. I appreciate the throwback. Yeah, the CD I have actually says 1997, so I'm not sure exactly when the release date was. I think one thing to keep in mind too with the programmed with the program drums and all that. I mean, you've got basically two guys that made this album. Uh, you have, you know, you've got a lead singer who basically just does all the all the lead vocals and the backing vocals, and then you have another guy that does literally everything else. Um, it's very clear that this was just a project, and they weren't really a full band yet. This is kind of like this is kind of the hey we want to start this band called Narnia. Oh, well, what were you thinking? Well, listen to this album we recorded. This is kind of what we were thinking, you know, which is actually uh, pretty good, you know. Like who who wouldn't want to join a band that's like yeah I got an album out we got all this material we can play for a solid forty five minutes and uh, you know we we've got everything we need and uh, then they hear the shredding and they're like oh god great and then the other guitarist is like I'm playing just rhythm right right right. <laughs> 
1999. Long live the king. All right. Long live the king. So this is Narnia more or less fully realized. This was this is where they have, you know, the full the full band lineup. You've got you've got drummer, you got a dedicated drummer, bassist, keyboardist, guitarist, vocalist. So in a lot of ways, this is almost the real debut. And uh, I I think they really came out swinging on this one. Um, you start off with an instrumental track, Gates of Care Paravel, which are the castles that the that the kings of Narnia live in. Just in case you wanted to know that, I'm gonna add a lot. Of, I'm gonna add a lot of Narnia lore to this one just because I'm I'm fresh on it. But um, but yeah, they bust into um, they bust into Living Water. There's not a whole lot of change between this and the previous album musically other than the fact that it's a full band and it's much more noticeable. My ears cannot stop hearing the anime metal sound that is not unique to this style of music, but whenever you listen to that anime soundtrack, it's probably going to sound like this type of heavy metal. Down to the decisions made with the drums and the very slight reverb that was added to everything, really. I love it. It's this nice, safe spot to be in when your heavy metal band or your neoclassical band is sanitizing the production. You could turn up the vibe into extreme so easily, but that's not why they're here. They're writing metal songs about Narnia, and it's really solid musicianship. I don't think it's better than Awakening. It's just the real debut, like you said. It sounds like a band, not just songwriters. Well, it's funny that you mention anime soundtracks because this band, when they put out their first, uh, whenever they put out Awakening, they got offers from 10 Japanese record labels. Makes sense. Like right like right off the bat. And the, the label that they ended up signing with was a label called Pony Canyon, which is a uh, which is a Japanese uh, media company, and uh, it makes total sense. It makes sense why there was like, I always thought it was weird with Narnia albums, because I would buy a CD, and I, earlier on uh, I had to like import the CDs. They weren't just like available, uh, and there was always a Japanese bonus track, <laughs> like a Japan only bonus track, because I think they also were distributed by Nuclear Blast Records uh, at one point as well. But uh, it's interesting how, how much like the Japanese music industry was interested in stuff like Narnia. Uh, and so there, there's definitely some credence to what you're saying about it, like being sort of anime soundtrack metal. Um, but it's the reason why I think people like it is because it's so upbeat and so positive sounding. It's basically removed from a lot of the darkness that's associated with heavy metal because you've got these like bright keyboards on top. You've got super positive, beautiful sounding melodic guitar solos uh, and just a sense of energy and a vocalist that's just smooth as glass, you know, throughout all of it. And it makes you feel good. And as a metal fan, that can sometimes be hard for a guy like me to admit because I like the darkness of heavy metal. I like the grit. I like the sludge. And Narnia is just not going to be that band for you. If you're, if you're looking for something that is super, super, super heavy, you're not going to find it here. Go listen to Divine Fire. It's, it's the same singer, and it's much heavier. <laughs> but I, I can tell you, 
this record, it's fully realized and it is a more of a perfection on the sound that they kind of came up with with Awakening. And what I like about this one, too, is that I feel like the hooks, the hooks are a lot stronger. I noticed, too, that they also are a little bit more decidedly mid-paced on this record and that they'll slow it down. Everything's more of just like a mid-paced driving heavy riff for your verse. Then you have a nice melodic chorus verse chorus for you know it's a little formulaic but again this isn't the kind of music that i normally like listening to so it would be very easy for me just to like kind of trash on it for not being heavy enough and not being metal enough or whatever but honestly the more i've listened to them over the years i'm like this is great for what it for what it is for what they're doing they're actually a cut above a lot of bands that i hear doing this because a lot of other bands come off as way cheesier than this. I think this is a little cheesy at times with, when you're talking about, you know, witches and lions fighting each other. And, and, and then you're talking about Jesus. And like, I mean, that's, that's all prime cheese category. But I don't, they pull it off really well by just being a great band. And that's, you know, right now we've got two really solid albums under, under their belt. And... I like the choruses more on this one. I think the songs get caught in your head. I think there's a little bit more of that hard rock influence here. And honestly, this is them. They could have put out 20 albums that sounded just like this. And I think they would they would probably be even more popular than they are now. Who is the wardrobe fighting in this scenario? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know who the wardrobe's fighting, but, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm here for it. I'll, I'll watch that movie. I'll read that book, too. 2001 Desert Land. Holy shit. Did you want straight out of the 80s heavy metal because you're about to get it? Dude, so you know, I I've been I've been slightly poking fun at Narnia this whole time about being like not heavy or dark or whatever. Dude, they the first song on this album, Inner Sanctum, just busts out of the gate super fast in that like speed almost power metal sort of way. It's not thrash, people. We're not we're not going that far. We're not going that extreme. But for Narnia, this was by far the heaviest thing that they had ever dropped. And I like it. I like the I like the the upbeat energy of it and kind of them embracing more of the metal side, whereas the last album they embraced kind of the melodic hard rock side more. This is this is more dedicated to metal fans. This is trying to I would imagine this would be them trying to break into the greater metal audience. I mean, the vocals are more aggressive. Uh, the pace of the songs are more aggressive. And after Inner Sanctum, you're like, okay, well, you know, they always have a couple of decently heavy songs. And the rest of it's just going to be like slower, like mid-paced ballad type stuff. No way, man. They pick it right up on the Witch and the Lion and they go for it. Change the attitude a little bit and change the production to the early 90s. This is not far away from being a Judas Priest album. Yeah, it's really not. And this is the kind of heavy metal that I... This is the type of, like, 80s heavy metal that I like. You know, that's that's not quite thrash heavy, but it's it's heavy. It, it, it's, in the, it's in sort of that Judas Priest, Iron Maiden sort of pocket. And, uh, and I'm here for it, man. And th- th- this is where the, the fantasy-based lyrics really elevates the entire vibe of, of what they're doing. Um, yeah, Desert Land is... There are times where I think Desert Land is my favorite album by Narnia. Um, because I do think that this was all of the parts put together 
and this was a perfection on the sound that I think they've been trying to make this whole time, but haven't been sure what to totally focus on. But I mean, again, there's not, God, there's not a lot to talk about because it's just, if you like heavy metal, you're going to love this album. <laughs> this is the point in the discography where I think the Iron Maiden fan, the Judas Priest fan, the Accept fan, and the Dream Theater super fan are all getting together and enjoying this band. It's heavy enough. It's got the slightly upbeat heavy metal feel to it. It's a straight four-bar drum beat most of the time. That's fine. Not complaining. I don't need hauling double bass when I'm listening to this type of heavy metal or this type of thrash riffs. I love this record. I think it is my favorite. But it is the previous album taken to the next step. And I don't think that's a bad thing when you're listening to this type of progressive metal or heavy metal, whatever you want to call it. Neoclassical, I think, is the best way you could say it. But it's a heavy metal record in 2001. The only people that really would be listening to this are the super fans of heavy metal. So Dan and I. And it's a great record to listen to. It's a great third step in the discography. I'm worried that we've uncovered a bit of a one-trick pony, but much like your Trans-Siberian Orchestra fan, I don't think a one-trick pony is who the fans of this band don't want. Everybody wants their Narnia record to sound like Narnia. I think if you're I think if you're listening to Desertland by Narnia in 2001, then you're the kind of person that really doesn't care much for modern metal. Maybe I'm putting you in a box. I apologize if I'm, if I'm putting you in a box. Hey, I'm but stuck in a it, box. What's going on here? Right. Uh, but yeah, I think if you're listening to Desert Land by Narnia, you have you have a certain idea of what heavy metal is, and you, you accept no less. Uh, and this record absolutely provides that for you in spades. I do think the only issue I have with Narnia is wishing that they were more... And again, this is not a pure objective criticism. This is just how I feel about it. Um, because like, obviously they allowed to make whatever kind of music they want to make, but I do feel like a modernization might have been in order for this. If you, if you beefed up the, if you beefed up these riffs a little bit more and made them sound like riffs that were written in 2001, or at least had the production quality of, uh, of a more like brutal band, I feel like Narnia would be significantly more popular. But I think these guys are guys that like old school dream theater. They like Judas Priest. They like, they. let's be honest, they probably all really love Deep Purple, you know, because <laughs> uh, we all do. But uh, they have just, they've, they, they've kind of stuck on this. And I wouldn't necessarily call it a one trick pony as much as it would just be like, they're holding up a torch for the old guard because, you know, the, the big advantage to something like Desertland is that you've got your classic heavy metal sound, but it's done with the production quality of the age at that time. So these records sonically sound superior to a lot of records that you probably grew up listening to if you're into this style of music. Um, but yeah, Desertland absolutely just blew me away. It is just a solid 60 minutes of classical or classic heavy metal. And um, I don't have a whole lot more to say about it other than I was very surprised to see the direction that they went in next. Let's talk about the Great Fall. It has begun, after all, 2003. Man, the Great Fall is the Narnia album that I remember hearing the most about 
when I was getting into Christian metal. Because I'd be like, you guys like, I like bands like Korn. What are, you, what are you guys into? And they're all like, yeah, you should go listen to Narnia. And I'm like, well, this doesn't sound anything like Korn. Um, <laughs> and they're like, no, duh, this is real heavy metal. And they're not wrong. Uh, the Great Fall, I feel like, was Narnia trying to, or maybe being aware of kind of what you had said, Joe, about maybe it is becoming a little bit of a one-trick pony in that, you know, they've put three records out now that objectively all sound like one, if you listen to them in one shot, sound like one long record. It's a good record, and the songs are all the songs are all great. There's nothing wrong with it, but they are starting to sound a little bit samey. So what is the only logical direction that a band like that can go in on album four? We're going to try to be more progressive. So Dream Theater progressive, Opeth, Watershed progressive, Between the Buried and Me. What kind of progressive are we talking about? Discuss Metal Dan. Well, we're we're talking about Narnia progressive, right? (laughs) Right. Uh, I'd say more Dream Theater uh, than anything else. Um, But there's not a whole... I mean, I can't say say anything bad. I mean, uh, War Preludium that starts the album off is like just this like creepy atmospheric piece with just this talking you know and it's like it it sets you up for kind of a creepy sort of thing and i don't know if this is a concept album or not other than the fact that the final song is the great fall of man and it's 14 minutes long it's the longest narnia song that's ever been recorded but there's one song on this album that is an absolute standout for me and that i still jam in my regular rotation and that is the song back from hell which is quite possibly the heaviest Narnia song uh, that they had ever done up to that point. And this is exactly what I was talking about as far as like, let's beef up some of those riffs. Let's make it, let's make it just a little bit harder. I'm not saying you guys got to go death metal or anything, but just like, you know, and it starts off with, with just these brutal heavy riffs and then it stops smooth as glass versus builds, builds back up to the uh, to the chorus and it's the heavy riffs again. There's only one thing I don't like from Back from Hell and that it's too long. It's seven minutes and thirty one seconds, and I'm like, a banger is good, but you can't it can't be a banger for seven minutes straight. And they commit the holy sin at the end of Back from Hell that every band needs to never commit, and they put an actual emergency siren at the end of the song which always messes me the hell up when I'm out driving. <laughs> I mean, that's a joke. The song, the song absolutely slays. It's, it's like hands down in the top five best Narnia songs. And so with The Great Fall, you've got a much greater attention to detail on the guitar crunch. It's overall heavier than any of their previous material. And it's weirder. Instead of it just being the regular ma- mashup of metal songs, meets like mid-paced hard rock songs and then some ballads which is kind of the narnia formula up to this point you've got songs that have you know full intro full outro uh sort of sort of presentation and so the great fall for me kind of hits is this like sort of mixed bag because it's got a lot of good ideas they're trying to innovate they're trying to be more progressive and the final song, The Great Fall of Man, is a really, really, really good Narnia song. Worth noting, too, that Eric Clayton of Savior Machine makes a uh, vocal appearance on this song. And let me just say, he sounds a lot better than he sounds in Savior Machine. Uh, so it was a really good, it was actually a really, really good uh, uh, vocal cameo. This is the point in the discography where I think they went full anime soundtrack. 
I am not complaining about that. If you want to play the last album, but just drive the double bass into the ground, bring the volume up a little bit on the rest of the instruments, and create that heavier feeling progressive fantasy sound, there's nothing bad about that. At the end of the day, it still has that classic dream theater vibe for me. I like the album, but there's nothing here that really makes me stand up and praise this record for being the best Narnia album. I think we so far have a discography that is very consistent, but we're starting to get standout albums. And that is what makes this band interesting to me. From Desert Land to The Great Fall, you have records that will keep your attention. The hooks are there sometimes, but generally Narnia is a vibe. When you listen to the band, you're looking for that singular feeling that is going to carry you for the next 45 minutes to an hour, and that's fine. Because again, this is 2003. This wasn't the popular genre outside of guitar players and guys that listen to metal and play metal and don't care how many strings you have on your guitar. Right. Yeah. I mean, The Great Fall isn't the best Narnia album, but I think the intention was for it to be, which is great. I mean, always push yourself, right? Like, you know, never, never settle for mediocrity. Uh, I just think that it took a lot of swings and a couple of times it was a miss for me. But none of it was enough for me to be like, this is trash. I still enjoy listening to the album. I just think sometimes it seems like it seems much grander than what it really is. And um, they, they more or less abandoned sort of the, the the let's be progressive thing after this, which I think was probably a good probably a good move because Narnia's biggest strengths are, you know, their lead guitar work and their chorus game. They've got a great chorus game. Narnia can write a chorus, and and it will stick with you for days if you if you let it into your brain. Um, and I think that the progressive stuff kind of takes away from that a little bit, and and kind of dilutes the band's core strength a little bit. But it's fine. They realized it. There, there's a follow up. We're we're all good. Two thousand and six. It's getting heavy, dude. Are you ready to enter the gate? Enter the gate. So, like Desertland, this one this one comes out the gate swinging. It is heavy. It is in your face. Vocalist is actually more aggressive, I think, than he's been before. He kind of like he, he he has no problem like going into a straight shout. You know, I mean, it's oh, it's a lot. I mean, at the at the end of uh, the song Another World, he actually shrieked, "Enter the gate," which I. Which I think is interesting because you've got this vocalist that I really like. There's a lot of people out there that are, that are always like, oh, I, don't, I like Narnia, but I don't, I don't like the dude's voice or whatever. And I'm like, I don't know what else you could want. I mean, the dude's like like the whole package. And I could uh, you could argue up to this point that he wasn't super dynamic, but I think he's more dynamic here than he's, than he's ever been. And the riffs, again, have that 2006 sort of, sort of production quality. So the riffs are a little bit dingier. They are a little bit darker. They're a little bit more like real heavy metal. And uh, I think I think this one is probably my favorite overall. I don't necessarily think it has all of the best songs that Arnie ever wrote on it. But I, I find myself going back to this one the most because it's not quite as vanilla ice cream as the early albums are. 
but it also doesn't try to fake me out with some kind of weird progressive stuff like they did on The Great Fall. This is just what I always wanted. It's Narnia, but heavier. It feels the most energetic, not because it's stand out better than Desert Land or Long Live the King. It's the first time Narnia sounds different, noticeably different. The sound is updated. It reminds me when the Motorhead discography goes from sounding like 70s punk records to 90s heavy metal records. It's a distinct point in the discography where it changes your expectation of what the band is going to sound like. It sounds beefier. Even though it's heavy metal at the core, it doesn't sound like the 80s less than crisp audio production. Yes, digital drums, triggered drums, they were all a thing back in the day. And it was a technology change, it was a convenience change. There's reasons why records sounded different in 1984 than they did in 1974. My point, Narnia has been doing this for 9 to 10 years, maybe a little longer since it did start as a project. And the band finally sounds like they can stand toe-to-toe with everyone's favorite heavy metal bands. Yeah, I mean, I think they absolutely knocked it out of the park with this record. And I think this was around the time, too, that Christian, their singer, was involved with with Divine Fire, which was like a more of a more of a power metal band that, for whatever reason, was so heavy, they sounded more like a melodic death metal band with this dude singing over it. Uh, and so I think that kind of explains a little bit of the change, too, as to why he's more aggressive and the guitars are more aggressive. I think he's kind of coming off of that. And... Um, so I, I kind of like it because it's a little bit more scaled back. It's not as over-the-top ridiculous like Divine Fire became at times. Um, and I think, again, this chorus game is 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 100% on par. I mean, the song Show All the World is always stuck in my head. People the Blood Red Cross, um, Aiming Higher. And um, I wasn't stoked about The Man from Nazareth. I thought that was kind of a kind of a stock sort of like, okay, yeah, it's another song about Jesus. I know you guys are a christian metal band but like i mean come on it's just another just another song about the same thing but i I, i'm not i'm not gonna dig too too deep into that um you're like you know dan for the guy that is supposedly the christian metal guy on the show you don't seem to like the genre that much uh it's not about the christian metal it's about the it's not extreme at the end of the day dan is not the biggest fan of people that can just play the fucking instrument Something happens where it doesn't feel brutal enough or it doesn't feel real enough. It starts to feel vanilla. And when Narnia has been releasing album after album after album with the same vibe, it can all run together. And sometimes it does run together. But again, this is the record where it starts to feel a little different. It starts to feel updated. I agree. It's modernizing. I'm excited for where Narnia is going in 2006 if we're going to keep pushing forward like this. Well, let's talk about pushing forward. So in 2009, I believe it was, Christian, their lead singer, left the band. And honestly, like this guy is such a key component of this band sound for me that I was very kind of like, okay, well, the band's over now. You know, if this dude quit, that's it. Like it's 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 over. They're, they're not going to do anything else. But surprisingly enough, uh, like any professional band would do, 
it was 2008 he left the band. I'm sorry. It was in 2009 that they did what I'm about to say. They just straight up hired a new vocalist and recorded a new album. Course of a Generation. Yeah, I was like... Not Curse of a Generation. We're not talking about plague shit right now. Well, I mean, sort of. I mean, the, the, the song <laughs> is called Curse of a Generation. Uh, but the album, yeah, that's that's kind of weird. What is another singer going to sound like for this band? Question. Yeah. Can we find a guy that sounds exactly the same in every way possible? No. Are you sure? Pretty sure. What about 75 to 90% the same? Can we find yeah, that? Yeah, I think we, we, we could probably pull that off, yeah. And that's exactly what they did. <laughs> uh, now, don't get, me, like, don't get me wrong. This guy is not a facsimile of Christian. Uh, you know, his, his, name's Germ, uh, his name is German Pascal, I believe it is, uh, who was at, originally from Rio de Janeiro, but had lived in Sweden since he was a teenager. So, you know, local guy basically you know they found him and um turns out he's good <laughs> like uh he's real good he doesn't like i said he does, he's not a facsimile of christian but you could definitely hear christian singing these songs alongside of him it sounds a little bit deeper a little bit a little bit he's got a little bit more of a rasp to his voice but i mean if you listen to what christian did on enter the gate it's not necessarily that different I don't know. This is a hard one for me because this record should be the perfect Narnia album for me. It's heavier than Into the Gate was. The guitar crunch is real on this album. Um, it definitely sounds more modern overall. And you've got a vocalist in there that is dynamic um, and impactful. But for whatever reason, this record does not do a lot for me. I wanted Narnia to sound like this in 2003. I didn't get that. I couldn't have gotten that because it does sound modern, but it sounds 2009 modern. Take that same progressive metal or that fantasy sound. Give it some modern production. Get rid of the unnecessary reverb. Start layering everybody together. It really does sound almost point for point like Dream Theater did at the time. So maybe this was just a change in progressive metal in general where everybody wanted to bring the production forward and not sound so atmospheric. Don't get me wrong, this band is not Dream Theater, but they're in the same ballpark. They have the same fans, I think. So when I'm listening to Course of a Generation, again, I like it because it sounds different, not because it's this huge step forward or this huge change. It's just something not par for the course for Narnia. And par for the course for Narnia is a really good heavy metal record. Yeah, when, when par for the course for your band is, yeah, dude, it's awesome. There's not really a whole lot to complain about. And I don't have a lot to complain about. I like that the record is heavier. I like the different singer. But I guess my issue is I don't like him enough for me not to be okay if the original singer was the one that was doing it, if that makes sense. I feel like he did add something to the mix that the new singer understandably has not had a chance to yet you know it's like well we got this record written we need you to we need you to go do the singing thing on it or whatever and i could be totally wrong about that for all for all i know christian just showed up and sang the songs and that was it you know but uh, i feel like he added something to it that seems to be missing here i think musically this record is on par with a lot of narnia's releases but i am starting to feel a little bit of I'm starting to feel a little bit of sameness 
within within the record itself. I feel like the record doesn't dynamically shift as well as previous records. And again, I'm being really, really, really nitpicky because if you put this thing on and listen to it, you're going to be like, that was a great record. More, please. <laughs> but uh, they did, this incarnation of the band did not last all that long. Uh, they ended up breaking up in 2010, so like a year later, and they played two final shows, and that was it. And then um, essentially... Trying to remember what year the band came back, but I believe they came back somewhere around 2014, 2015. And it had something to do with the fact that Long Live the King was 15 years old at that point, and they wanted to do something, you know, to commemorate that. And uh, it's a tale as old as time with, uh, with metal bands where they all get together, they get all the original guys back together, and they're, they, they start doing the thing that they do. And before you know it, they're like, let's, well, okay, yeah, we played these reunion shows. Great. We, uh, we made sure all the records were on streaming services for everyone to listen to. Okay, great. I mean, we could, we could play another show. Yeah. Okay. Let's play another show. Cool. We could play another show. Yeah. Cool. Play another show. And then it's like, yeah, I got some, I got some riffs that I, <laughs> you know, that I've been working on. And then before you know it, you end up with another Narnia album or the Narnia album. If we're going by the title alone. 2016 it's self-titled narnia band oh, man. please stop self-titling if it's not your first album or your last album <laughs> i don't think they knew whether i think i think maybe they thought it was going to be their last album but uh i'll tell you what man everything i was complaining about the weirdness of the last record that is all gone here this is narnia back and understandably it sounds more like Okay, let me rephrase this, because yeah, I was going to say it sounds like classic Narnia. It doesn't sound like classic Narnia. It sounds like Enter the Gate Narnia. It sounds like Long Live the King or Desert Land brought forward into 2016. So exactly what I wanted. It's heavier sounding, but the music is effectively just heavy metal awesomeness. Yeah, I mean, you've got you've got your original singer back, so the sound is as complete as it possibly can be. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to be able to say anything about this record that I haven't said about the other ones. Uh, do you like heavy metal songs uh, yes. with with keyboards? Yes. With uh, neoclassical guitar playing? Absolutely, yes. And, and a vocalist that's smooth as glass? Fuck yes. All right, you got it, man. They, they, you know, they the, the boys did it again, as Lauren Kozlowski from Roach Coach says all the time. You're allowed one. Uh, <laughs> they, they did the thing. I'm allowed one as long as I credit the source. Um but yeah, they sound like they're having a lot of fun here. I think this is a this is a record put out by guys that kind of never thought they'd be doing this exact thing again. And uh, I mean, this is this is actually, in my opinion, a really good place to start with Narnia. Like, if you're not sure which album to listen to first, I would say listen to this or Into the Gate first, because that's going to prepare you the most for the band's newest, like newer output. And uh, I don't know. I think they, they knocked it out of the park here. I'm trying to find things to say, I, and I'm going to stop trying to extend the episode now. Uh, it was a great comeback record for Narnia. They're, they're, they're back to being awesome. Not that they really weren't awesome before. I mean, so far, the worst thing that's, that we've said about this band have been like minor nitpicks. What we haven't talked about is the theme of these albums. Are each of these records like a piece of the Narnia story, or is it all just generally themes from narnia kind of like how trans-siberian orchestra does christmas so the interesting thing about narnia is for a band that's called narnia 
they don't really talk about Narnia all that much. <laughs> they did more on the older albums. So th this is not like a Blind Guardian Tolkien thing, which I think a lot of people maybe thought that it was. <laughs> um, you know, and they put the lion on the cover because ju that justifies naming the band Narnia. Uh, they have the witch and the lion from Desert Land, and th there there are references to Narnia throughout the band. But I think that's actually one of the better things about Narnia is that they don't they don't have a gimmick that they that they that they rest on, you know. So yeah, they're not they're not telling an overarching story. You're not going to learn a lot about the Narnia books by listening to the band Narnia. Uh, which I mean, the nerd in me is a little disappointed in that, but I also think like as a music critic that like that is kind of a strength that they have where they've got their own vibe going on over here and they're not relying on someone else's work and not I'm not trying to say that like power metal bands do that some power metal bands do that but uh, <laughs> I think I think the biggest strength of this band is them sort of just carving out their own place in this kind of music lyrically I mean, and I'll be honest, as far as being a themed band, this band talks more about Jesus than they talk about uh, than they talk about Narnia. So you can look at it that one of two ways. You can either be disappointed that, you know, it's not what it said on the cover, or you can be like, oh, no, I think it's cool, but that's just the band name. It doesn't have to define everything that they do. I hope that answers your question. 2019, from darkness to light. Has anybody That's ever right, gone baby. from darkness to more darkness? I mean, I think there's probably some black metal bands that, that have done that. <laughs> there used to be this unblack band called Dark Dark. <laughs> he had his own label that put out like CDR releases called Dark Dark Productions. I think I, I think I still have a couple of those Dark Dark Productions albums laying around somewhere. Anyway, uh, this record is I, I I don't know how to explain this to you guys, but like this is the next this is the next record by Narnia. Uh, Cut, print, ah, moving on. Right. Yeah, we're good, <laughs> right? Uh, what else is there to say? Okay, so you guys you guys want me to be a little nitpicky. Um, I do think that this record is significantly lighter than than the self-titled was. Uh, I think they're, they're, they're more leaning into their sort of melodic hard rock origins, uh, except for the song Sail On. That song starts off heavy AF. Uh, I love it. But, um, you know, you, this band started as a reason for a guy to, to explore more melodic hard rock sound. So I knew that eventually they were going to come back to this. Uh, and I think I'm actually here for it because it's got that modern crunch, that modern guitar, that modern guitar sound that I like so much that he clearly favors this, uh, this tone uh, over, over his older stuff. Um, which kind of weirds me out. I, I like... Is his, are his heavy crunch like does he play his solos with a different guitar than he plays like his his rhythm work most of these classic thrash influenced metal guys change guitars multiple times throughout the song just to change up the sound naturally you could eq things till the end of time sometimes it's easier just to plug in a different guitar and play that melodic passage that's fair Think of everything you saw Kirk Hammett do in a year and a half. Right. Same thing. Just change the guitar. Keep changing the guitar until we find the sound. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, I think it's a great record by Narnia. I think it's not going to be the heaviest thing ever, but you know, maybe th this many years later, I need to stop expecting heaviness out of Narnia albums. I don't think that was ever the point. It's heavy metal, dude. 
It is absolutely as heavy as it needs to be. I think if you wanted to point at one record and say this is when they went full Dream Theater, this is the best candidate. Because it's not progressive in that we're going to change time signatures 10,000 times, but we are going to fuck with the groove a little bit just to make sure you're paying attention. It actually makes me wonder how much restraint they've shown over the years. Because Narnia feels like a band to me that really cares about the song and doesn't necessarily care as much about showing off. But I feel like if they did show off, if they made that album, what that would be like. And they haven't done it. They, they've never done it to this point. But I don't think it's due to a lack of skill. I think it is more of a maturity in songwriting of being like, let's make each song as good as we can make it without having to show off. We'll show off a little bit, but... You know, we're not gonna we're not gonna give you a 19 minute you know eight part you know concept album based on you know the Iliad or something like that. Final thoughts on Narnia, Dan. Uh, Narnia is not usually my cup of tea. Uh, this style of music is typically not my cup of tea. But I've been listening to these guys for years. A lot of it had to do with I used to only be allowed to listen to Christian music, so uh, you know this was kind of I couldn't listen to Metallica or Iron Maiden, so you know I listened to this. And that might sound depressing, but it turns out that actually these guys are just as good as those other bands that I mentioned. That's not some kind of weird Stockholm Syndrome. Narnia is one of the most talented bands out there playing heavy metal to this day. And uh, if, they, if, if that's your bag, that sort of classical heavy metal sound, Narnia is going to delight you throughout their career. I love listening to heavy metal records that define the genre. I want people that play the guitar and play riffs I want a drummer that can play the fucking groove. I want a bass player that can set the bass line, pardon the pun, and a keyboardist that isn't afraid to sync up with the lead guitarist and play this beautiful symphonic lead into the next section. I think Narnia is one of the best heavy metal bands for that pure 80s-influenced progressive metal. You might think that it's the opposite of heavy, because he's not growling, because he's not barking at the mic. Well, there was a time when everybody that played heavy metal was trying to be Led Zeppelin and just push the music forward into that new wave of British heavy metal thing and just try to be Judas Priest. Even Judas Priest at one point was very low key, except for Rob Halford. My point is, if you're a fan of heavy metal and what that pair of words used to mean... Narnia is going to be a damn good experience. And if you're just a fan of shred heavy guitars and you like to hear leads that come out of nowhere, this band is 10,000 times more intense than anything Trans-Siberian Orchestra has ever done. So step out of the mainstream for a second and come to the Narnia camp. We welcome you with open arms and listen to Narnia. Dan, what's your album of the week? My album of the week? Well, that is a really, really, really tough question because I've been listening to so many Narnia audiobooks, I haven't really listened to that many albums' albums. But uh, one album that I did listen to, because I, I listen to it, you know, frequently, is uh, Altars of Madness by Morbid Angel. I made fun of Ingve early in the episode. Here's the thing about Ingve Malmsteen. Live, he doesn't hold back. And he doesn't make excuses. So if he fucks it up, guess what? Move on. Next song. 
If you are not a fan of shred guitar and you want to hear what most people consider to be perfection, I strongly suggest you listen to Yngwie Malmsteen's Attack album, because that's what I did this week when I couldn't stop comparing the early albums to what Yngwie Malmsteen did back in the 80s. So check that one out. It's a good one. Shout out to Eric Hall. You know the shred is real, man. Bring back the shred. Bring back the shoot the shred. Do it, Eric. If it takes a truck filled with money, Dan has a truck and a CBL license. <laughs> I just need somebody to bring me the money. Take us out, DFT. If you guys enjoyed this podcast and you want to reach out to us in any way, shape, or form to tell us we're doing a good job or telling us we're doing a bad job or telling us we're doing a job, or if you want to give us band suggestions of bands you want to hear us talk about on the podcast, there's a lot of different ways you can do that. You can follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. You can follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Discography Discussion. You can follow us on Instagram also at Discuss Metal. Or you can send us an old-fashioned email at Show at gmail.com. If you have a band or business that would like to sponsor an episode of the podcast, hit us up again at Show at gmail.com. And we will see what you have to offer and see what we can do to help. Thank you guys so much for checking out the podcast. For all of you guys that support the podcast monetarily on Patreon, we thank you. If you would like to support the podcast monetarily on Patreon, we've got some really sweet perks over there. You can go to patreon.com forward slash discuss metal and check out everything we have to offer there. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next time. And on that note, this has been episode 260 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things discography discussion. And please send questions and comments to show at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at Patreon.com forward slash Discuss Metal. We have some sweet perks. I'm Scrooge McDuckin' through your money. One dollar a month gets you into that exclusive album review feed. 